What's up, my friends? Welcome to the Growth Vault Podcast. Josh here. Today's episode is actually a bunch of segments and clips from a recent interview and conversation that I had with Mr. Tommy Mello. Now, Tommy, if you're familiar, he's been on my show many times. He has a podcast called the Home Service Expert Podcast. Uh, It's really good. And we had a really interesting conversation. You know, Tommy's one of these high driving guys that goes 200 miles an hour and he's building this huge empire. He's going to build a billion dollar company and he's well on his way to that already. But we started talking about, you know, the frameworks and the mindsets and the the ways that small business owners, the the ways that our brains work and how it really can hold us back. And I just thought it was really, really good. So I pulled out a bunch of different clips and segments. Uh, It was a long podcast, but I just pulled out a few of the good parts and I hope you enjoy it. Here we go. I'm Josh, and my mission is simple. I teach tens of thousands of home service business owners like you how to grow a profitable seven-figure business. Every week, I deliver mind bombs and systems designed to help you gain mastery over marketing, admin, production, and sales inside your company. Each week, I'll open up the vault so you can finally take hold of the life and business you deserve. There is only one thing between where you are today and where you want to be, and that is the growth you're willing to endure. You're in the right place. Welcome to the Growth Vault. As it all comes together, you got to ask yourself, I've had a lot of people, Josh, recently that want to sell to me, and they say, I've reached my capacity. I'm bored with it. I'm sick of it. I'm disgusted by it. I'm not having fun anymore. I can't take it to that next level. Can you come in and help me? And... I just think with great power comes great responsibility. We've got several hundred employees and we're ready to move it to that next level. So why not? And the people that walk away, I I don't have a problem with people that sell to be with their family. I mean, you've got what, five kids, right? Yep. We have five kids and a dog. (laughs) You've got a big family. I mean, I'd love to hear your take on that. And you've dealt with companies that are selling that have been at their max. You've coached a lot of people. What's your perspective on just the individuals that decide to sell or grow or what does that look like? This is a really big topic. I'd love to spend a lot of time going back and forth on this because there's all kinds of problems, you know, in people's heads. So number one, I see people, they follow the Gary V's, they follow the Grant Cardone's, they're probably following you and they think that they're supposed to hustle and grind and grow and push and win, but maybe they're not. And so like with a lot of coaching advice, when I'm working with a company, the answers to questions depend. Like there's so much stuff that's situational. Well, what I mean by that is not everybody's destined, designed, or equipped to lead a huge organization. They just don't have the hardware in them to do that. That's not their gifting. That's not their thing. And so it can lead to a lot of misery, unhappiness, stress, shorter lifespan, heart problems when you're kind of maybe in the wrong seat on the bus or maybe you're on the wrong bus entirely. And what I mean is, is if you have a business, should you build it? huge? Should you be obsessively consumed with growth? Maybe. It depends. Should you automate it so you can do something else? Maybe. It depends. Now, on the flip side of that, the reason that most small business owners don't push harder, in my experience, is because of fear. And so then they use as an excuse this false piety of, well, money's not everything. Geez, when is enough enough? But if we're honest, when you dig deep in there, they're not pushing because they are they have this holier than out, you know, I want to be with my family. That's not even true. They're using that as a mask to cover their own fear, their own inability to execute. And if they were honest with themselves, they, they would come to that conclusion really quickly, right? So I, I see there's like two sides of the extreme. 
that I know people that are super high achievers. I have a lot of friends with businesses, even a lot bigger than yours. And some of them are happy and some of them are not. And then I have people that are broke and struggling that I'm friends with. And some of them are happy and some of them are not. So the question becomes, what are we trying to do? And what I think everybody's trying to do, Tommy, is they're trying to be happy. They want to have joy and fulfillment in their life. And so the way that they go about getting the happiness is kind of all over the place. But a lot of times they chase revenue in their business. They chase status. They chase the next goal that they want to hit. Or on the other side, they're paralyzed by fear and they think they're destined to always be unhappy. And then everybody else is sprinkled somewhere in the middle. Does that make sense? Yeah, I agree with you wholeheartedly that happiness comes in waves. I've seen the pictures of people in India. There's 20 of them in a small car and they're, they're singing a song and they're happy. You know, yeah. I, I get the happiness part. And the different people, they don't know what they want. They don't understand and they're just not risk adverse. A lot of people Almost know. no one knows what they want. Hardly anyone knows what they want. The first question I ask someone I work with is, what do you want? Why did you give me a whole bunch of money? Why are we talking? What do you want to happen? And almost no one can articulate it. Now, they can tell me what they don't want. Well, I don't want to struggle anymore. I don't want to be stressed out. <laughs> I don't want to work so many hours. Everyone knows what they don't want, but no, very few people know what they want. But I do know everyone wants to be happy. Now, people like you, who's an A-type, high-driving person, you actually get fulfillment and joy out of growth for the sake of growth, which is good. God made you that way. You're a builder. The world doesn't exist without people like you, right? But there's other types of people in the world too that are equally but different in, in terms of their importance. And so the mistake I see people make is when they don't clearly define what it is that they want in the first place, they wind up chasing whatever the world tells them they're supposed to chase, whether it's a million bucks or 10 million bucks or whatever, they can spend a lifetime chasing it. If you're a Tommy style personality, you need to chase it. But here's what you got to understand is people like Tommy, and tell me if I'm wrong, <laughs> I'm speaking for you right now. You get fulfillment, joy, and happiness out of the growth itself. It's not over the hitting the mark. It's not hitting the next milestone. It's the growth itself. And that's why every time you hit the milestone, you move the bar. And you'll continue to do that until the day that you're dead, probably. You're going to move the yardstick over and over and over because the growth itself. And really, for anybody listening, think back of a time that was hard in your life when you grew and expanded, you leveled up, whether it was in fitness or it was in your relationships or it was in your business or whatever. You probably went through some really hard times because growth always equals pain at some level. And it sucked during the time you're going through it. But then what happens when we look back and think about that time? We romanticize it. We say, oh, yeah, back in my day, I used to walk to school uphill both ways, 10 miles in, this, in a blizzard, right? Why do we romanticize things that were actually painful? It's because human beings are designed for growth. We're supposed to grow. And that's where people get hung up. The people paralyzed by fear, they're never going to have growth. They can never feel fulfilled and happy. And then on the other extreme, you have people that think that growth only means revenue and money in the bank. And that, that's the other side of the deception because it doesn't. There's lots of areas of our lives that we need to grow. You can be an absolute world master at business and be a total failure as a father. There are different skill sets. There's different categories. But I think happiness comes from growing in general, not necessarily from achieving goals. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff there. As far as growth goes, I think that I have a philosophy that it's really hard to be sustained. Just I'm just going to be comfortable where I'm at. I kind of said that if you're not moving forward, if you're not 
what in your sinking type thing. And you're right. I, I do. I do set new goals, no matter what. To be content is the scariest thing that ever happened. To say, are you happy? Yes. I look back and say, Josh, I, I look at our team. I look at some of the stuff we've been through. And I say, that's great. The way I look at it is, is that's like saying, were you happy when you were in seventh grade, how fast you could run? Or can you do better now? And maybe I was fast, let's say fourth grade. But my point is, yeah, I was happy with what we did, but I still think we've got, we've got mountains that we can move together. And I really like where you're going with the systems because I look at these businesses and the first thing I look at, the first thing if I was a coach and I've coached a lot of companies is I ask them, for certain stats. And what I've noticed is I'm buying out companies, Josh. This is huge. None of them have the correct software to run a successful business that actually lets you inspect what's wrong with the company. Because for me, if I'm in a boat and it's leaking really, really bad, I need to patch that biggest leak. And that could be your call booking rate, your average ticket, your conversion rate, your marketing cost to acquire a customer. And there's tracking tools that you need to be able to be 100% confident that you're looking at the right stuff to make them changes. Because I see a lot of people, Josh, and they come into their business and they never do the things that are the most important. They put them off because they suck at it. And me, even though I've done a lot of school, taken a lot of finance classes, taken years of accounting, when it's my business, it's so much different. It's a home service company. It's different than doing an annual report on a public traded company and everything I've ever looked at. So now this last year has given me so much more insight as I've got this new controller CPA, basically allowing me to look at a balance sheet. And I've got 17 markets and I look across each one and I say, wait a minute, why is this number so much higher? And then I could go in and fix it. And it's amazing what happens when you've got a system to get accurate data and then you can build systems to make sure those numbers stay where they need to be or get better. And as you talk about systems, I see a lot of people and they just keep doing the same thing over and over. And when they leave, the company falls apart. And that's when I think it's time to downsize. It's time to get your foundation set up, get manuals, build really, really nice job want ads for each role you're going to hire. It's finding out where you exist. And as Gary Vee always says, do what you do fucking great. Excuse my French. But He's the one that swears all the time, so I'm okay. But he goes, <laughs> do what you do and be the best at it. He goes, quit trying to do... I'm not a bookkeeper. I'm not the best at doing the, you know, Excel and doing pivot tables and everything else. So I just really wanted to talk about that a little bit because these businesses, they don't know where to spend their time. They walk in, they get flustered. And then when they... You know how many people I've met and they say... Tommy, when I work from home, I get way more done. And I'm like, that's because you have no control of your day. You have no time control. You let your time get stolen from you. So what's your take on that? Because there's a lot there. Yeah, there's a lot there. Here's the first little mind bomb for people. Every single person listening to this already has a fully systemized business. The question is not, oh, should I try to do systems and learn about systems? No, no, no. Our whole life is fully systemized. The way that we talk to ourselves is systemized. The food we put in our body every day is a system. The way we discipline or don't our kids, like literally every single part of our life is a system. The real question is, are the systems that we currently are operating, are they serving me well? That's the question we have to ask ourselves. And I see it, I see it a little different, I think, because have you ever heard the, the phrase, the quote that you can only see the world through your own eyes? Have you ever heard someone say that? Yeah. Okay, so what that means is someone that's a thief, 
they are skeptical that everyone around them is a thief and is going to steal from them. Someone who's an adulterer is super paranoid their spouse is going to cheat on them, right? And someone like Tommy, who has screamed past all the self-limiting beliefs a long time ago, and you're going 100 miles an hour in your rocket ship or 1,000 miles an hour, it's hard to really see the world through a different set of lens lenses than yours. You're like, why aren't you just doing it? Understand your numbers. What's wrong with you? You just want to like choke them in a loving way and smack them across the face. Like pull yourself together. You're right. right. <laughs> and the reason you feel like that is very clear to me. It's because you're looking through a particular lens going a thousand miles an hour for most people. And you are not one of these people because you are not most people for most people. They listen to podcasts like this. They buy courses and books they try to watch a Gary Vee and there's this knowledge going in their head and they understand it abstractly, but nothing ever seems to change. And the way to change it is not by using their willpower to look at their numbers more accurately once a month. Like that could, because it won't sustain, it won't keep going. All the work that has to be done to get these guys out of these, these ruts is in their brain. It's all in their head. It's all the inner work that has to happen, not the cheesy woo-woo inner work. I'm not talking about that. I'm just saying the things that we believe, the identity that we have of ourselves, what we believe to be true about the world, the frame that we look at the world every day, the fear that we have, the anxiety that people have. That's why everybody's stuck. They'll listen to this podcast for five years and not even grow their business. Or, you know, they're just perpetually stuck. And it's a, it's a mental issue. It's an internal issue, not an external issue. So you're not struggling with that issue right now. So you're in full external conquer mode and you're setting and achieving goals at warp speed because you are confident. You are surrounded with people that are even further ahead than you. Like a lot of your friends, you're the cute little kid in the, in the group. They're like, oh, look at Tommy's business. That's so cute. And you're in go mode. So for, well, that's for all me, the when time. I'm, you're right. And I surround myself. Right. I want to be the dumbest guy in the room and, and I'm willing to move to that level every single time it elevates me. I remember yeah. it wasn't long ago, Josh that I had no clue what a KPI meant. It was a kippy. I have no idea. I was sounding it out. I'm like, what the hell is a KPI? I mean, if I could talk to myself in 2014, I would be speaking Spanish the whole time. And the point is I accepted it and I implemented it and I've integrated it. And I'm always the guy on the podcast asking questions, not saying I know everything. I'm asking to learn new ideas. And I want to take one gold nugget, but the difference is I'm also not the guy to say, hey, I learned something new today. Let's implement it and have it fall apart. It needs to be thought out. It needs to be team-driven. It needs to be everybody's all on hands on deck and not have 15 things we're trying to do right now. And there's, like I said, there's so many things here. But I'll tell you one thing. The most important thing for me is being around people that are better than me in a lot of things. When I go golfing, I hate it when I'm the best because I don't play as good. I don't even care. But when there's other people, I take my time. I'm focused. It's, it's like everything. I like to play people that are better than me. I like to go to shops that are better than me. And there's a lot of them out there, mostly air conditioning and plumbing and electrical. But I'm learning a lot from these guys, you know? Well, let me ask you a question. Are you using your willpower to be like that? Is it, do you wake up each morning and say, all right, come on, Tommy. You put all my energy into being motivated. Or are you just like that? Because I already know the answer. You, you have a fire well, I have no- in you. I don't even need to try to do that stuff. I, I enjoy it. You know, I exactly. That's kind of my point is you are built to be a fighter jet. And I, <laughs> there's a really great fighter jet analogy. And I'm a fighter jet too. Like I want to change the world. I want to go big. I want to give away a hundred million dollars before I die. 
But what I've realized as I've gotten older and I've worked with so many business owners is that not everybody's a fighter jet and that's okay. But fighter jets are like the very, very important people. All innovation, all positive human change comes from an entrepreneur who takes a risk, who's going out high drive and doing the stuff you're doing. And every dollar in everyone's pocket comes from someone who sold something to someone. Every single dollar in the planet in circulation. Tax money came from somebody who sold something to someone for profit. Like salespeople, entrepreneurs, we run the world in that in that regard and we make the world better. But fighter jets get very frustrated when they're surrounded with crop dusters, which is a different type of airplane. <laughs> crop dusters are super useful. We need them, but they fly super, super slow and they're low to the ground. And if a fighter jet does that, it'll feel like he's dying, right? He'll fall out of the sky like a rock. So I think also with people like you, you're very clear in what you want. And this is the biggest hang up is that people don't know what they want. They incorrectly articulate to me what they want. I'll say, what do you want? They'll say, oh, I want to get to to four trucks and a million dollars in revenue. And they're just saying it because they think they're supposed to say it. They don't actually mean it. They don't feel it when they say it. What they really mean is, is that they're stressed out and they want to pay off their credit card debt. Okay, well, there's easier ways to get that than getting four trucks and a million dollars in revenue. And so I think people like you, anybody who's a high achiever, who's going really fast, usually, almost always, is super freaking clear on exactly what they're trying to do. And you want to build a billion dollar company, and this is how you got to do it. And so decisions to you are binary. If you see a new system, it's very easy for you to say, does this system move me closer to that outcome or further away? Does it make me go faster or slower? And you can make decisions differently. But for the average small business owner, they literally do not understand what they want in the first place, either because they're in survival mode or they've just been in a rut for 10 years. They can't articulate it. So how do they make decisions? Should they invest in the other software? Should they not? They don't know. And because they can't effectively make decisions, they're stuck. So many people focus on what I do. And I hate that, Josh. I'm like, dude, if you spend as much time worrying on your own business as you worry about me, you might be successful, but you know what? These guys on Facebook, these guys all over complaining, these guys that are just calling everybody saying who I treat my employees great. I treat my vendors great. I treat my customers great. And here's the problem. They could try all they want to take me down, but I'm going to, I guarantee you, if you obsess over me, I'm going to run right over you. You know, what's funny, Josh, is I'm not doing anything that I don't talk about. You know, everything that we're talking about here, I'm actually doing. And the stuff that you tell me I'm going to implement and integrate. And it's like, what is it going on with these people? Why do they hate that we replaced an opener? Yeah, I could have fixed it, but it's 15 years old. Why do you get a notch on your shoulder to be the cheapest and just, you might do cheap quality jobs, but you're not making any money. You're putting in cheap parts. I mean, that, that's the story for me is so many people. Well, it's, obvious, it's obvious why people are like that to me, at least. I mean, people are not running towards the thing that they're put in this earth to run towards. People are living these, you know, quiet life of desperation type of thing. That's real. People are actually like that. And people get jaded and they're living in their own paralyzing fear and they're not chasing their dreams and their goals. And so of course they're going to throw rocks at you. You're an easy target, right? Everybody likes to throw rocks at the big guy. What I want to encourage people to do is to figure out what it is that they actually want. And and you got to go deeper on this. Like you got to have a vision for your life. And I don't mean just a vision. I mean, your specific vision. And I really believe is if you think it's cheesy or not, I believe that everybody was put on this planet to serve other people. And you're a job creator and a market maker and you're a wrecking ball when you go into these markets, but you are serving a ton of people and leaving a wake of value 
in your trail by doing it. By you pursuing your billion dollars, you're going to help a lot of people. Your technicians make eighty, ninety thousand dollars a year. You're creating high-paying jobs. You're crushing it, and you were put on this planet to do that. And so, other people that are jealous or haters, they're just not living out their thing that they're put on the planet to do. And it's never too late. I just encourage people to get a vision for their life. You got to catch a vision. That's what gives you the hunger. The difference between perpetual motivation and willpower is if you're moving towards the vision for your life it's automatic. You know, people that have a self-identity as a fit, healthy person, they don't struggle to not eat birthday cake for breakfast. It's not work for them. It's not draining for them to be on the keto diet. They just, that's who they are. Tommy Mello, it's not taking all of his willpower to put these things in place and to move really fast and to constantly want to learn more and to constantly network and negotiate and go deeper. He can't not do it because he's living in that future vision. He's running towards it. All of us need to do that. The problem is, is people start running towards Tommy's vision. And maybe their vision is they're supposed to start five orphanages in Africa. And maybe, but they're over here trying to chase down a $10 million business. That's not your thing. You got to ask yourself, am I in the right bus? Am I in the right seat on the bus? Like, is this the vehicle that I'm put here to, to be in? To me, that that's the key. And then the last thing I'll say that I think is a, a mind bomb for people is to understand the difference between knowledge and wisdom. We live in a crazy world where there's opinions everywhere. There's lots of noise. We know that, right? You go on fake book or you, <laughs> I call it fake book because it's all bull crap. But you go on there and everybody has an opinion, right? And we try to accumulate this knowledge. Now, my friend, Myron Golden, who I don't know if I introduced you to him, but he's one of my mentors. He's phenomenal. He gave me the, his definition for knowledge and his definition for wisdom. I think this is profound. Knowledge is the accumulation of truth. Okay. So in business, in garage door business, that's a very specific vertical where you can accumulate truth specific to that thing, right? With health, with parenting, with everything, there's these different things. But if we're talking about business, you got to accumulate the right truth. So if you're listening to this podcast right now, congratulations, you're accumulating very specific truth that is definitely applicable to your business. And you should do that. We need to accumulate knowledge. How do you know if you're getting the right truth? You got to look at the results that the truth produces. So if you're getting opinions on Facebook, you don't have any way to vet the opinions. Uh, don't do that. Just go right to the sources, the people that are ahead of you. One quote to remember when you're accumulating truth is don't take advice from someone you wouldn't trade places with. That's a good rule of thumb. But oh, see, that's only, that's only half of it though. There's a lot of really smart broke people, Tommy. A lot of them. There's a lot of really dumb, smart people too. You ever know someone that has a lot of truth? You can talk to them about world history and economics and the monetary policy and the gold standard. You can talk about all kinds of complex things for hours, but their whole life is a mess. Everything's in disorder. They have no results in their life. That's a problem. And that's how a lot of business owners are, is they have knowledge, but they're not applying it. And that's where wisdom comes in. Wisdom is not the accumulation of truth. Wisdom is the application of truth. And when you were talking last, you just kept talking about all the action you're taking, how you're implementing, how you listen to, if you get a nugget out of this podcast, you're going to implement it in your life somewhere. That's where the rubber meets the road. So screw the haters. They're irrelevant. They always have been. They always will be. But I want the haters to have this epiphany for their own life and for their family's life. And if they can catch their own vision and accumulate the, the correct truth for that vision and then use wisdom and apply that truth, even if you're scared. Even if you don't see the whole picture, but you know the next step to take and you're not taking it, you take it anyway. If you do that, you can't fail. It's impossible. It's impossible. 
if you accumulate the correct truth, keep iterating, and you apply that truth, the application is where everybody fails. You're home free, but just make sure that you're running towards the right vision in the first place. People think that the application of truth, which is you know my definition of wisdom, they misunderstand and they think that what that means is that they need to try stuff. That is not what it means. Trying things is irrelevant. But most small businesses try things and successful businesses master things. The goal is not to try to find your first employee or to try that new marketing, whatever. It's to attain mastery over something. The application of truth, by definition, is iteration. It's trial and error. It's the Thomas Edison, 10,000 wrong light bulbs to get the right light bulb. That is always the path. It's not like weird that it didn't work and then eventually it worked and you got a huge reward from it when it did work. That's not weird. That's how it always works. That's how innovation works is you apply and apply and apply and apply and iterate and iterate and tweak and pivot and apply and get more knowledge. And you say, oh, there's the piece I was missing. You apply it again. It's a hit. It works. You go. Most little businesses don't do that. A great story to make this point is early in my business, I got roped into spending a whole bunch of money I didn't have on radio ads. And it was a total failure. And you know, radio ads are a great thing to sell like young entrepreneurs because of ego, like TV ads and radio, because you think it's really cool that your business will be on the radio or whatever. Right. Uh, but it was a total failure, right? But I had no idea what I was doing. Well, for years, I would tell people, don't stay away from radio. Radio is terrible. You shouldn't do that. In my ignorance, I would, you know, with good intentions, tell people not to do radio until I met Michael Kaplan, who's a good friend of mine. We're actually business partners. And he had a $20 million carpet cleaning business that he scaled in nine years, right? So he took a business from a half a million a year that he bought and scaled it to like $20 million a year in like a decade. And his primary source of leads was radio ads. <laughs> so when I met this guy, I'm like, wait, what? No, like you're, you're breaking my brain. You're undoing all this advice I gave people. And what I realized was that he didn't try radio ads like I did. He attained mastery over radio ads. And that cost him a lot of money, a lot of pain and suffering, and a lot more time than I was willing to invest in it. But he got the result of it. And he had a really viable, consistent, predictable model to scale. And I hope people can read between the lines. The goal is mastery, not dabbling, not trying things. Yeah, I think you're you're absolutely right. I you know what I, I spell out to people is everything works. People say direct mail doesn't work. I'm like, you are gone. Direct mail. Here's the thing. You know what I'm so intrigued by, Josh, is, is the more I learn, I'm becoming this, this ninja. Like, look, I talk to businesses all the time. 85% of their business comes from past customers. They keep their customers nice and tight. And they always go back and they find stuff to do for those customers. And you know what? I've never done outbound. I've never done door knocking. I've never had to do the four houses, the octagon, whatever they call that, the four houses around where never had to do yard signs. I've had enough calls come in on demand where we're just receiving people that want our service. And I'm like, man, there is so much more to be had out there. So my life, this next two years is committed to not only figure out, that's like saying, I'm only going to get people that are applying for a job, but now I'm learning to go out and find these people that already have a job that will be happier working for me. Now I'm going around finding customers that don't necessarily need my service today, but would love for my service that they knew more about it. And a lot of it's come from podcasting. A lot of it's come from hanging out with guys like you at your events. A lot of it's come from just visiting shops. And I think there's a lot to be said about 
this kind of revolution that's going on out there is, is I very rarely see two people put it all together. You know what I mean? I see like Ken Goodrich, he does a lot of freaking radio. He shows up with a stuffed animal and a flashlight and he does a couple hundred million a year. He builds that brand. It's storytelling. He says, my first air conditioning unit was a Gettle. And that's why we invested in Gettle. When my dad used to fix an AC unit, I used to be there with the flashlight. And my first memory as a kid, and they feel like they know him. And the first thing they say when they show up there to the house is, is those stories true about Ken? And he's on every station and he has a whole different output about radio. But people say Google doesn't work. I have a guy that said pay-per-click is a joke. I stopped doing it and I'm making as much money. I had another guy tell me, Organic Google sucks. They had another guy tell me he hates Groupon and Living Social. And I don't think every single thing could work for every company, but I can tell you this. I'm a testament that Valpac and Money Mailer still could work. I'm a testament that a lot of things that people say would never work, work. And I can tell you that door-to-door knocking works. I can tell you that event marketing works. Some people say I went to that last home show. Home shows don't work for me. No, you just suck at it. You're not instilling exactly. your customers. They don't have mastery over anything. <clears throat> They're right. mediocre at all the things. And they'd be far better off spending the time going through the pain and suffering, earning their bachelor's degree in pain with direct mail or fill in the blank with whatever marketing lever you want. You have to attain mastery over something. And you can only do one thing at a time, but that's the path. That's the difference. It's very, very simple. If you do want to get into direct mail, you're going to commit to a strategy. You're going to use data and analytics. You're going to figure it out, change your messaging. For example, with all marketing, especially direct mail, there's only like seven things that need to be tweaked. You got your timing, your targeting, your design, your copy, your call to action, your offer, the urgency, scarcity. There's only a few things. But small businesses, what happens is when they try something and it fails, they interpret that as I failed. And it's because they wrap their identity in their business. Talking to you, it's really, really clear that you view your business as a vehicle and you're outside of it. You're outside of it looking at it, like a brand new King Ranch F-250, which is like a truck that I love, right? So you're looking at it and you're just being logical and you're saying, huh, that's weird. It won't start. What's going on? But for the average small business owner, they don't understand that what they do is not who they are. What they do is what they do and who they are is who they are. And so when they try something and it doesn't work or they make a hire and the employee screws them over and leaves, they think something's wrong with them rather than there's something wrong with the F-250. And that's a huge stark difference, right? I think that could maybe encourage some people listening to this. What your business is, is just a vehicle to drive to a destination. And most people don't even have the destination (laughs) in mind, which is problem number one. But even if you have it, you don't have to get emotionally hurt because the thing breaks down. You fix it, you upgrade the tires, you put in a chipset to make it more, more horsepower. Like That's what you're doing is you're tinkering with your truck. That's what you, how you view your business. Most people think they are the truck and they get really discouraged. All right. Well, let's close it out. I'll give you the final thought, Josh. I appreciate you coming on. I know you've been traveling and this whole thing going right now. It's a great opportunity to start connecting back with family and getting organized and creating plans, reading, uh, working out. It's a great opportunity for every single problem. There's a different viewpoint that if you change the way you look at the situation, there's an opportunity in every single problem. So I just love you to hear uh, your final thoughts and I appreciate you coming on again. Well, just remember that the frame in which you look at the world through is going to dictate the results that you get. 
And you can have two people in the same exact situation with completely different perspectives on what's happening. That's exactly what's happening right now with coronavirus. And just remember, are you looking at the world through the right frame? Are you looking at it the way Tommy Mello does, where when, when you called me on my cell phone yesterday just to chat, you were so excited on all the businesses you're going to buy, on all the deals you're going to make with inventory. I mean, you're going to have all the supply and inventory and all these other companies are, are not going to because you're running towards the storm. That's a frame. You see it. You're like drooling at the opportunity. You had your biggest Monday ever, you said too, right? Where other people are shrinking back. They're in fear. They're panic mode. They're more worried about getting extra toilet paper than they are about capitalizing on the opportunity that's literally all around them. And a good friend of mine, her name's Elena Ledeau. She's one of our Conquer coaches. You met her in uh, Lake Tahoe. She has this incredible analogy. And I'll just end it with this. Buffaloes run towards the storm and cows run away from the storm. And this is actually true. So what happens if, if you think like the Great Plains and there's a thousand cows, when there's a huge storm head rolling in over the mountains, over the hills, cows turn around and run away from it. And what ends up happening is they end up staying in the storm for two or three times as long as they need to because they're moving with the storm. Buffalo, on the other hand, turn and point directly at the storm and run right through it. And they get a net benefit because they get through it faster. So I just want to encourage you to run towards the storm. Open your eyeballs. If you're surrounded by people that are negative, then change your group of people that you're around and let's double up on the Tommy's podcast if that's what you need to do. But yeah, it's going to suck. There might be a little pain depending on what industry you're in, but it will be temporary. There will be a light at the end of the tunnel. Just make sure that you're ready to capitalize on it when it comes. Love it, Josh. Thank you very much. Thank you, Tommy. If you're ready to go even deeper, go to Facebook and search for The Growth Vault. It's a free community with thousands of other business owners just like you. I'll see you next time on The Growth Vault.